The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome, everyone. We are featuring uh, all of you listeners from all over the world today. We are so glad you're here, and thank you for being with us. You are truly intentional spirits, and I love the fact that you join us on Unity Online Radio. You also join us on Facebook Live, and most importantly, I like to highlight that you send your comments. Um, we like questions. We like you to ask questions and to interact with us because that's uh, one of the pleasures and one of the great things about being able to be live with our with our viewers, we like to hear from you. Um, and so that being said, um, uh, it's been a few months ago that I interviewed a, a really dynamic uh, psychiatrist, uh, a guy that has so many answers uh, related to mental health. His name is Dr. Henry Emmons, and we are just so delighted that he is back with us on the show today. Thank you for being with us. I'm going to call you Henry, uh, Dr. Emmons, for the purpose of our show so we can uh, create more of a casual setting. But thank you for being with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we featured you um, regarding your book, uh, The Chemistry of Joy. Why is that conversation um, so important to you? I'm a psychiatrist, and I've been practicing now for close to 30 years. And I, in that time, I have seen these common mental health problems like depression and anxiety just keep increasing, affecting more people, and, um, and people who are looking for some really novel or different ways to deal with it rather than just relying on, on some of the, uh, the more traditional therapies that don't, don't work for everyone. Well, it, what is exciting to me, and I, I know you feel the same and you have so much passion about it, is for so long, um, it, you know, it was a secret. I mean, people didn't want to talk about mental health as if it was real or if it were, or if it was uh, valid. I mean, uh, sadly, in my own family, uh, my father had um, 
two sisters uh, take their lives uh, just mm. because they could never get balanced um, within that the mental health field. And, you know, and, and people would say they're moody and, you know, they haven't figured it out or they don't go to church enough or, you know, they, they're picking the wrong friends or, you know, anything but um, some, of the, some of the real issues there, you know. Right, and you know, it's really hard to find a family nowadays who who doesn't have some kind of mental illness in the family, or at least some some kind of stress-related problems. It's just so common, and luckily, I do think people are willing, or more willing, to talk about it now, and more willing to get help. Uh, probably the bigger question nowadays is what sort of help, and are people really getting a, a, a holistic approach to dealing with these things? Mm-hmm. And um, one of our listeners is tuning in, and and she wants to know, um, what is your sense about schizophrenia? Well, schizophrenia, I I believe, is a strongly genetic condition, although I do think that there are some uh, causes besides genetics, or at least some things that it seemed to make it more likely to come out. But schizophrenia and, and, and manic depression or bipolar illness, uh, those two conditions I believe to be strongly biological, um, which is not to say that there aren't psychological or spiritual influences, uh, but it's just so important to be able, again, to deal with the whole person and make sure that nothing gets left un, undone or, or not looked at. Well, you know, um, Dr. Emmons, you've been doing this for, I mean, your life has been dedicated to this work. Um, is there a personal reason that this became important to you or, or something that has occurred throughout the course of your life that has kind of shape-shifted you into this being what you want to dedicate your life to? That's a really good question. I, I think when I first went into psychiatry, it was more because of my desire to um, to really get to know people deeply, work with them more, more, um, more in depth, and also because it felt like uh, a way for me to be able to incorporate my interest in spirituality, for example, and depth psychology, as well as you know some of the biology and, and nutrition and and so forth. But over the years that I've been doing this, I have had some personal experiences that have really shaped my view of things and my own, um, you know, deep desire to help people find, um, I guess, more comprehensive and natural ways to be able to overcome these problems. I went through a a period in my own life where I lost um, several really important people in a kind of a compressed period of about four years, Um, a couple of parents and my sister and uh, some other people that were very close to me. And it really threw me. Uh, And I, in retrospect, I think I went into kind of a prolonged um, period of depression, if you will. And my way of coming out of that uh, really became the book, The Chemistry of Joy, which is to to really be able to, um, I, I took a lot of time to go deeply within myself, to grieve, you know, try to grieve appropriately, 
um, but also to tap into the deeper sense of spirituality and then to do the, the holistic therapies that I believe can be so helpful for people. So I think that was, you know, some of those interests were there previously, but then um, going through that myself and coming out of that myself has really helped shape how I approach these things with my patients. Yes, I, I, I really value that you are um, so much of the holistic practice. And for those that of you tuning in with us, and we welcome you from all over the world, and uh, welcome you, Elizabeth, from Norway. And um, we are tuning in to the website, naturalmentalhealth.com. That's natural. Uh, mentalhealth.com and our our team will also put it in the comment section and remember this is interactive so we want you to make your comments and add your questions so that uh, Dr. Emmons can be involved with you but he's bringing um, a lot of answers um, related to the biochemistry of joy and you identify uh, and this is important, and, and for those of you that are listening that say, you know, oh, you know, I don't have anything, or I'm pretty good to go, uh, remember that we are intentional spirits, so therefore, um, because we're intentional, we are difference makers, and we're role models, and for us to align and know people in our family, or in our communities, or, you know, in the AA meetings, or wherever we happen to, you know, interact, um, it's good for us to have this information um, because, um, you know, traditional medicine is what um, Dr. Emmons, uh, 100 and over 150 years old only. Um, am I close to that or is my number off now? I've, I've kind of added a few numbers of, uh, to my life, but is, it, is that about right? Traditional you mean medicine? For, for uh, mainstream type traditional for mainstream, medicine, you mean? Yes. Yeah, for me. yeah it's really, it's it's even less than that. I think that um, modern medicine, as we know it, really got going in the early early part of the last century. Okay. Uh, and, and especially around and, and then just after World War II. So it's really relatively a uh, relatively recent phenomenon. Yeah, really pretty new, and we have all this ancient um, medicine and things that are available to us since the beginning of time and. I love that you're bringing that in, you know, and you're giving this whole new, uh, to me, paradigm, even about the, the word uh, psychiatrist, uh, because I don't know what most people would say. I'd be interested in some of your comments. But usually when a person hears the word psychiatry, they think, oh, they're the people that can give the medication, you know. And I, I love that your work is just so much broader not that it doesn't include that sometimes, but it's both and. And that, to me, is very, very uh, powerful. But you identify um, in your first book, The Chemistry of Joy, three different types of depression. Would you please explain those to our listeners so we can kind of have an association with them? Of course. Uh, in my mind, it, to think about depression as a single entity just does not make sense and and that's been my experience too that i believe there are three patterns and there's they're not purely separated patterns but but it tends to show up in one of three ways and that is either uh predominantly an anxious pattern where the mind is is kind of anxious and fretful 
Um, there's a lot of feelings of insecurity, often not being able to sleep. And then the second pattern is what I call an agitated mind, and that is where people are more moody, um, perhaps more irritable, edgy. There's an edge to their mood and a restlessness both of the mind and the body. And then the third pattern is perhaps what most people historically thought of as depression, and that's a sluggish pattern where they just feel lethargic, tired all of the time, unmotivated, hard to get out of bed or off the couch. And are any of these carrying a um, without a support in in changing uh, diet and activities and things like that? Um, do they tend to be kind of, if you will, permanent? Um, are they uh, through different? Are there is there levels where they're more situational? Yeah, this is really I think important for your listeners to understand, and that is that. In the vast majority of cases, depression or anxiety are not permanent. They are temporary or they just occur occasionally. And very often they are situational or, um, you know, a reaction to stressful life events. But the whole body gets involved. And so there's brain chemistry problems. There's diet problems. And I, one of the unique things about my approach is that for each of those three different patterns, I give different suggestions for diet and for, for nutritional supplements or even medications because they are so distinctly different in terms of what's happening. Um, it's not a one-size-fits-all sort of treatment. Well, one of the things that, um, that, I, that I really enjoy about having you on the show is because you know, uh, so many of us are dedicated to more of a positive life and influenced by positive things and are around people that have a very uh, strong and, 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 you know, life is such an amazing journey and there's so much joy to be had and things like that. But yet I know as, as the listeners that we have on The Intentional Spirit, we also understand that we live, we're, we're being in the world and not of the world at the same time. And it's a dance. You know, it's a, it's a real dance because we're not denying. And so, um, as we know, you know, within our culture, uh, depression is something that is, is very real. And it's almost like the pretending that it isn't there and the denial of it or the invalidation of it. Um, I really feel is uh, one of the things that that leads to more of the ch- teenagers uh, overdosing, uh, not feeling like they can reach out to people, feeling lost and lonely because it's uh, it's not the fun conversation. You know, in in so many ways, we've kind of developed a a group about you know at times like we don't want to feel those uncomfortable uh, feelings and. With the work that you do, it is you're establishing that they can be temporary, they don't have to be permanent, and there are certain tools that you can use that uh, keep you into the chemistry more related to joy, that it's really authentic instead of fake or are brought on by uh, strong pharmaceuticals. Am I am I kind of tagging it? <laughs> Absolutely. You're, you're right yeah. on. And I, I, I really do want to get across to your listeners that 
if they suffer from these conditions, there truly is hope that they can recover from it. It is, there are so many things that people can do for themselves, and there are so many um, good treatments available now. Some of them are prescription, but many of them are not. And um, I have had many patients who have struggled with these things for all or most of their lives who are able to really put it behind them. But it does require for, for many people an approach that, that really addresses all aspects of what it means to be human. Yes, absolutely. And when, um, when from time to time over, you know, 25-year period, when, when people come to me as a, as a life coach or counselor or whatever, you know, and they tell me that they, you know, are in the throes of depression, I mean, first of all, I, I mean, certainly I'm, you know, empathetic and, and caring and, you know, all the real things that are there. But one of the first things I want to get to once we've kind of established this is you're validated here, I get you, and this is a safe place, is I like to go right to, you know, what, what are you eating? What's your diet like? Um, because that is so crucial. Um, within the recovery aspect. So um, talk about that, because I know that you, you definitely address that, and I applaud you for that, because it's, it's, it's not only what, what's eating us, it's what we're eating. No, it's absolutely true, and I actually start there as well, uh, because it's, people have to have a strong uh, physical foundation if the other measures like, you know, a good spiritual practice is going to really take hold. And so in my view, it's just so much better to get the brain what it needs through your diet than to try to tweak it through medications alone. You know, the, if you think about brain chemistry and balance and turning off the stress response. The, there are so many fundamental aspects of nutrition that help with all of that. And if it's not there, then you're really fighting an uphill battle. So it just really makes sense to start there. And there are some, some kind of simple things that everyone can do. I also, um, if people want to refer to my work, I talk about different diets for those three different subtypes of depression. But fundamentally, what you want to do is to give your brain the micronutrients it needs to make the brain chemicals. And there's a few really important ones like magnesium and potassium, and um, you've got to have adequate omega-3 fats. And, and so choosing foods that have lots of vitamins and minerals, like the leafy greens, uh, eating healthy fats like nuts and seeds and seafood, and then um, for most people, they really need to focus on building serotonin. And for that, you just need really modest amounts of protein and, um, and a good amount of really healthy carbs and, uh, and green and leafy vegetables. Uh, when a, an individual is um, vegetarian, um, and we're, we're not getting the fish and those kind of things, are there some things you recommend to increase and have more of? Yes. Um, they can get their fats really easily through things like flaxseed, chia seed. Um, there's a good healthy source of fat from avocados and coconut, coconut oil. 
Um, but also, they, to get enough of the right kind of proteins, they do have to put some thought into that. And I just think what makes the most sense is to seek protein from a variety of, of vegetarian sources. So don't rely just on dairy or just on eggs, but you know, get some some vegetable protein, get some um, some dairy, some tofu, or, or different kinds of beans and legumes. Really try to mix things up so you're getting a variety of different sources every day. That's, that's, that's really awesome. Um, we have um, someone tuning in that is in the mental health field. Uh, Tammy, we welcome you. And, and, and she's saying that, you know, in addition to um, the food that, that we're eating, it's important to practice that sense of, of mindfulness um, every day. And that's a very um, powerful statement as well and I know that you work with people and encouraging them to be to be involved with um, that whole psychology of, of mindfulness you want to talk about that a bit yes and, and let me say thank you to your listener for for bringing that up so it's a really big part of my work and I, a lot of people have now become familiar with the term I like to think of it very simply as uh, just developing the capacity to be more present and be more aware or more attentive to whatever is in front of us. Uh, so you were talking earlier, for example, about uh, how so many people just don't want to talk about depression or don't want to face it. Well, a mindful approach would be able to, to say, this is what I'm feeling. This is what's happening right now. And to be present to that, gives me the, the power to do something, to take some kind of action. Um, and you can approach almost everything in your life in that way so that, you know, the very first thing we need to do is to be able to see things as they really are. And um, if that means that something is a little bit off or, or not, you know, we're not properly aligned in our lives, well, it's important that we see that because then we can take some action to do something about it. Yeah, it's, um, I, I did a, I'm, I'm into doing posters now, like little quotes, you know, and, and one of them is, if we don't, if we don't own our feelings, they own us. And I, I think that, um, when people talk about sometimes, uh, being mindful or being present, it's almost like, um, if you will, there's an attitude towards that or an expectation around that or, I'm only going to pick and choose, like, oh, it's easy for me to be in a place of being present and, and mindful when everything's going my way, you know. Um, but when the other element of, of, of what we want to understand is that that present moment may be about sadness, you know, that moment. It literally might just be about sadness, and it's that I'm observing it, and I, I, I can be in it. And at this moment, there is sadness, and it's absolutely part of my, my moment, you know. And But it's the denial of the pretentiousness, the I'm not supposed to feel it. it, it what I find, it, it's not the feelings um, that make it relevant or irrelevant. It's the denial of the feelings that make them bigger and blow them way out of, out of proportion. Yeah, that's right. You know, feelings or emotions, they don't just disappear if we 
don't give them our attention. They, they tend to stick in the body somewhere. And um, I think that's what a, a lot of people are, are dealing with. They're carrying around a lot of un, unfelt emotions um, or, or difficult experiences that haven't been processed. And it just keeps building up and building up. One of the things I, I like to, to teach is, the, is to help people develop the capacity to feel their emotion really deeply as it's happening so that it then can just work its way right through you. Because the emotions, I think, are there for a reason. They're telling us something. They're giving us some information. But if they're not felt or experienced, they just lodge themselves somewhere in our body. Absolutely, and um, we are getting a, a lot of activity, and some of that activity is that um, some therapists and, um, and psychiatrists out there in the field, they want to deny the negative emotions, and um, I just want to, as a, as a lay person, as a spiritual a director for many years, want to want to highlight that, and I'm, I want to also hear Dr. Uh, Henry Emmons' uh, in, in influence on that as well. But uh, here's what I like to say about that. I mean, a lot of us originally got into the field we're in because we were more other-oriented. Uh, other we were the saviors. We were the people we wanted to help other people. <laughs> and and right. that's, that's a beautiful thing. It, it is so admirable to want to help humanity, help your sister, help your brother, help the world, change the world, and all of that. But many people out there, uh, in doing the work that they do for others, they absolutely forgot one very important person they needed to do that with, and that was themselves. And so you're exactly right. There are some therapists that when you start having a breakthrough, they're so uncomfortable, they want to talk you out of it. And there are many people in the fields that they're not comfortable with their own feelings. My thing that I always say is when you are evaluating um, a therapist, um, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, uh, a spiritual leader, when you sit with them, those are the questions you want to ask them. Because it's not a one-sided interview, right, Dr. Emmons? Because you oh, have to yes. have, hello, you have to have this agreement with each other um, because there's a reason you chose each other. And so for me, I'm not just interested in somebody interviewing me and assessing where I'm at. I want to interview them. I want to know, are you comfortable sitting with your own pain? Uh, when you have hardship with grief, do you acknowledge it? You need to ask those questions. And if you're with somebody that isn't one of those, um, you need to find somebody else. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, most of the research on the benefits of psychotherapy tell us that the very most important aspect of therapy is how good is your relationship with your therapist. And so you want someone who is warm, and welcoming and non-judging, uh, but also authentic and, um, you know, able to kind of go with you uh, wherever it is you need to go. Absolutely. Uh, it's very important um, because you, you want uh, someone, in order to get to wholeness, we're dealing with all of the whole aspects uh, regarding ourselves. There is absolutely um, no doubt about it. 
Um, so you also uh, talk a, a great deal in your teachings, and you you have a workbook, um, the Chemistry of Joy workbook. Now, does that? I want to know more about that. Does it have? Uh, are we able to go deeper related to the book? Is it in addition to? How does that work? The workbook, it, it does go um, deeper in terms of what people can do for themselves. I think probably the book alone uh, might go into deeper into some of the theory and, and uh, some case studies and so forth. But the workbook really takes people through very concrete, specific steps for your body, your mind, and your heart, and, and gives you some what I think are really helpful suggestions um, and exercises and lists of foods and um, different meditative practices, you know, really trying to get at the things that in, in the groups that we run we find to be most helpful for our patients. Mm-hmm. You know, the other, the other book that you have, The Chemistry of Calm, uh, we could all have five or six copies of those and just ride around with them in our car. <laughs> Yes, I know. I have I have heard people giving it, who are giving them to their their relatives for Christmas. <laughs> I always laugh. Yeah, at that. I'm just thinking, oh, what a great gift to give the chemistry of calm. <laughs> um, you know, um, because we're just at such an accelerated level of um, a reaction kind of energy. Um, well, at least in the in the USA these days, so. Yeah, the chemistry of calm would be uh, would be well noted as something that, uh, not only for us to think about other people, but certainly um, for us to, to think about our ourselves. I just really love the work that you're doing. I, I see that Larry Dossey um, endorses uh, your work. Oh, what an incredible human being he is. I want to urge yeah. everybody to go to the website naturalmentalhealth.com because there's so much to it and for you to get as an intentional person this knowledge for you to be able to share with your family uh, your co-workers um, other people in education or in your spiritual community it's a really powerful thing you know I heard um, at a um, unity convention not long ago uh, Sharif Abdullah was speaking and he was talking about how, um, I was shocked by this, actually, uh, Dr. Emmons. Uh, I said I was going to call you Henry, but I like calling you Dr. Emmons. Better. <laughs> I, I change my mind. I, I give myself permission to change my mind. But um, uh, Dr. Abula was talking about how that there was a speaker, and I don't recall who, but um, he, he said that you could go in a room, and he has... And asked people how many of you were affected by 9-11. And, and very few people raised their hand. You know, like a handful of people raised their yeah. hand. And really? he, he said, but you can ask an audience today, how many of you are affected by a loved one, your own consideration, someone that you know and have witnessed or experienced close hand suicide? And just about everybody raises their hand. Isn't that, Isn't that powerful? right? That Isn't is powerful. 
that is powerful. And I, I know that, you know, I know that I remember it correctly. I just want to go back and research it a little bit to find out, you, you know, who said it and how they said it and, you know, things like that. Um, but it is something that is real in our society today and in our culture. And we want to be educated in the right way. So, so we'll know. I know, um, what I have found and, uh, next month, I celebrate 30 years sobriety. Um, mm. and, and I, I say that not to impress anybody, uh, but to impress upon the subject that we're talking about is that a lot of times when I work with people that are, uh, depressed and, uh, they don't seem to get the point of life or feel that life gets them and their point, um, they don't seem to often get better because they have such a diet of sugar. Um, will you talk about that a little bit um, in the work that you do? Of course. Um, so, you know, when you, when you really get into the, some of the underlying science of depression, you quickly realize that it is a brain disease for many people, and the brain is so affected by whatever's happening in the rest of the body. So, for example, if your body has inflammation, your brain has inflammation. And if your body is kind of struggling with this blood sugar and insulin problem, so is your brain. And probably one of the, the worst stresses for the brain over time is this um, elevated sugar in the bloodstream. So... Um, it has a profound effect on the brain chemistry and the function of the brain to keep going you know, back and forth with blood sugar or to have your blood sugar be a little bit elevated. And I, I don't know if this is what you were saying, but I, I think you, you know that alcohol, one way of looking at it is that it is a concentrated form of sugar. Yes. And a lot of times uh, people who had been drinkers, once they give up the alcohol, they, they really get into a a pattern of sugar addiction, and it's probably less toxic, but it's still, it still can be an addictive pattern, and it still has an effect on serotonin and some of these other brain chemicals. So absolutely, if for people who have that pattern, and I have dealt with that myself, by the way, the sugar addiction thing, um, it's, it's real, and it has a real effect on your body and your brain, and it's really worth putting some of your early efforts into getting that under control. You know, you're, that's so funny that you said that because all through the years, um, and as I would be um, either closet drinking or, or public uh, drinking, neither one of them were that pretty, by the way, that I tried it for about 15 years. But I would always say so often, I would say, you know, I don't, it, when I think about it now, it's just like crazy. But I, I would say, oh, no, I don't like sugar. No, I have no interest in sweet things. <laughs> no, I don't, I'm not really, I don't really care for desserts. I don't really crave sugar as I'm sitting there, you know, putting away my, my, uh, my bottle of wine. We didn't, we just didn't know better then. I mean, we absolutely didn't know better. But oh my gosh, when I stopped, when I stopped drinking. Oh my gosh, I mean, I just had like five or six sugar things like chocolate, chocolate <laughs> ice cream, and more ice cream. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, it was bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. 
Um, and then what I will say um, to people and those of you that are listening and those of you that love sugar, whether or not you've ever stepped over the bridge and, and delved into alcohol or not, if you crave sugar in those you know, fixes of, of that addict kind of thing, um, give it 30 days without it. And, and you do find uh, that you really are going through some DTs at first to not do it. But after that, what I still notice after all these years, and I, I don't do that much sugar, but when I do it, I do it as an intentional spirit. I have a really good time with it because I know the next day I'm going to pay. And the next day, if, if something makes me cry, I'm going to cry ten times more than I normally would. I'm going to be more reactive than I normally would be. And I, I think that a lot of times people aren't that in touch with their bodies to know that that's how sugar is affecting them all the time. Yeah, you're right. And, and I think part of the reason for that is that most people who have this problem they eat a lot of sugar every single day, and so you don't notice how much better you'd feel without it. I think your 30-day suggestion is really good. I think it, it takes at least two weeks to kind of detox and go through the withdrawal, as you mentioned, um, and then people usually start to feel better those second couple of weeks. And so after 30 days, I think you'd have a really good sense of how much better you might feel without it, and then... If you did have a, a little sugar binge, kind of like you were saying, you really pay attention then because you'll probably have a really strong reaction after you've been off of it for a while. So we're planting a seed today. Um, myself and uh, Dr. Henry Emmons, we are planting a seed um, for any of you that are interested in joining the 30-day no sugar uh, program. Uh, we do this campaign, by the way, uh, often as our spiritual community, and I invite people that are willing you know, to raise their hands and stuff like that or raise their elbow, those that are shy. And we, we really work with that uh, you know, around the season and the new year because it, it just makes such a big difference in your, in your energy field. And that ultimately is what uh, Dr. Emmons is talking about. We're talking about balance here. We're talking about the ability to have a, a balanced life, um, to understand that you know, you're a physical being, uh, you're an emotional being, you're a spiritual being, and you're a mental be- a being. And, and where we do ourselves a disservice is where we just put emphasis in one of those areas and we don't pay attention to the other three. Um, because it's just really, really important uh, to be aware at any given time we have these filters going on that are related to those four aspects of ourselves. Um, I just love the work you do. I get I get so passionate when we're on the phone together um, because it's so crucial what you're doing, and I, I applaud you for doing so, urging everyone to go to naturalmentalhealth.com. Uh, get to know more about Dr. Emmons' work. Uh, do a check-in with yourself and your family as far as your, your balanced diet, your balanced life, knowing that nutrition is, is key in all of those things. It's really, really important. Give us some more of your wisdom, sir. <laughs> Well, you know, there's, there's uh, something we haven't talked about yet that I think is, 
is really important for keeping good mental health. Uh, it'll be surprising when you hear what I'm going to say, but that I think that the linchpin for me good mental health is sleep. Yes. Uh, you know, there's so many, so many things that sleep does, but I, after, after witnessing so many people get uh, unstable, out of balance, uh, decompensate after going through a period of not sleeping, um, I've really come to realize the power of it. I, I, I see a lot of people with, you know, more severe problems with depression or bipolar illness, and I can't tell you how often it, this is true, that uh, a bad episode comes right after they've gone through a period of disrupted sleep. And so, it, you know, the, the couple of things that people could really start with in terms of their physical being is the, the diet and the sugar addiction like we were just talking about, if that's present, and then put some emphasis on getting your sleep healthy and back on track if that has been a problem for you. Um, that is perhaps the best thing you can do for your brain's health uh, long-term. You'll prevent a lot of problems that come with aging, and you will find your moods are more stable, your body feels better because it heals itself better. And there's just no downside to getting the sleep uh, deeper and, and healthier. And sleep deprivation, like you're saying, it, it leads to so many so many things. Um, it, it has the tendency to create a very reactive personality and or like memory loss. Um, I, I uh, you're, You'll appreciate this, but uh, years ago, a very dear friend of mine was going to, um, let's see, it was a support group for attention deficit disorder. And, and so I had been doing some things with her, helping her move. And, you know, I had been in her life more actively than, than the norm, you know, one would say. And I'm just kind of observing some of her habits. And, you know, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. She still hasn't gone to bed and, you know, getting up at 6.30 or whatever. And, and then she's going uh, to this support group, in which, you know, I'm all about, you know, for people to do that. That's very healthy. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I said to her one time, I said, you don't have attention deficit disorder. You have that you need to get some rest, you know. And, <laughs> That's right. and, and she laughed at me. I said, I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm very serious. If you would get at least seven hours of sleep for about three weeks, you will see that you're not ADD or ADHD or however you label it. I apologize. And, Please correct me when I'm finished. But I said, I'm convinced that with you, that that's what you have. And it, and it turned out to be true. Um, she just needs to sleep. <laughs> you know, I think, I think you're right. I think that this epidemic of ADD or ADHD that we're seeing is driven by three things. One of them is, is insufficient sleep. I think a second is um, this... Uh, blood sugar fluctuation we were talking about earlier. And then the third thing is this um, relentless stress and busyness. And, and oftentimes that is completely self-inflicted. It's doing things like, you know, constantly checking your email or getting on your cell phone or just, you know, letting your mind jump from one thing to another really rapidly. 
none of that is good for focus and attention. So, um, what do you? What have you found in in the years of work that you've been doing? I'm, I'm sure that you have. Um, like myself, and just talking about the lady that was thinking she was had labeled herself ADD. Um, what has been one of your rewarding stories of um, seeing somebody that their life has changed because they've changed their diet, they uh, are doing more awareness with their nutrition and things like that? Well, I see this all of the time, but I'll just give you one example of uh, a woman who was in her mid-40s, had had um, really severe uh, problems with depression that started out mostly with seasonal, you know, winter depression. But over time, she just didn't recover in the summers, and it just got deeper and deeper. So she took the course that we offer here where we, we, we teach people all of these things, how to eat right for your, your own mind-body type, how to um, supplement wisely with a few nutritional products. Um, I think in many cases, and in, I think in her case too, we actually reduced her medication. Um, and then uh, doing the, the sort of mindfulness and awareness practices that, that really help strengthen your resilience and your capacity to deal with stressful things. So that by the time our group was, was finished, it was a, a 10-week group, um, she had completely recovered from her depression, which is not that unusual. We see that quite a bit. But the big test for her was what was going to happen next winter because that had been such a problem. Well, this was about six years ago, and she has not had a recurrence. She gets a little bit um, out of balance in the winter, like so many of us do, but it just it just doesn't go anywhere if you keep practicing these things. I'll, I'll just tell you uh, real briefly that the two things that I think have the most profound effect on turning around these kind of long-term patterns, and I think this was true for her. One of them is to really learn to accept yourself um, deeply and genuinely so that uh, people can stop being so harsh, so, so intolerant or critical of themselves. That's a tricky thing. That sometimes takes some doing, but, but people can do that through the, the right kind of practices of mindfulness and opening your heart up to yourself and forgiving yourself and so forth. And then the second thing, which I think fits so nicely with your work, and that is um, it's so important that people have a sense of connection. Uh, and I mean that in a broad sense, connection with other really good people, you know, good influences in their lives, but also a connection with some kind of meaning and purpose, a uh, connection with, uh, you know, spiritual life so that you, you're, you're you're involved with something just beyond yourself and you're kind of a small uh, life that we, we tend to create for ourselves. That is, it is so true. And um, to utilize, you know, so many things that are valuable to us as far as our natural health, uh, the cool thing is they're all free. Um, like go outside. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, put your feet on the ground, um, hug a tree, um, go to a park, um, you know, wherever you can find near where you live. Uh, get that balance of, of being outdoors some, 
And then, of course, uh, those of you that have been following me for six years on this show know that I'm also going to say, you know, surround yourself with pets. And um, animals are unconditional medicine that, that you can get or, or ever have. Uh, that's for sure. They're very, they're such a powerful uh, thing uh, for your life and your well-being, regardless of what age that that you are. It's it's very crucial and very important. Um, I'm going to tell you again to go to visit the naturalmentalhealth.com. That's Dr. Henry Emmons' uh, website. A great website also to, you know, refer other people to. If you enjoy this show, I want to thank all of you for uh, sharing the video of Facebook Live. It's because of you that we're featured all over the world. And, you know, it's always important to me to say that I'm grateful and that I appreciate you. It's because of your work of of helping get the word out about our show that so many people listen. Um, Join me at templehays.com. I'd love to hear more from you and the kind of shows you would like to hear. And you're one of the reasons that we brought Dr. Ammons back because um, it was such a successful show and us having it before. Well, uh, Dr. Ammons, tell us something. Um, We have a couple more minutes. Uh, What's your last thoughts? I mean, uh, gosh, our time went... I do say this sometimes, but this time, our time just went by so fast. It does, doesn't it? It's been such a nice conversation. I really appreciate you having me on again. Absolutely. You know, I think if, if, if I can just leave people with, with this thought, it is that um, it's to not allow yourself to to believe that your past has to be your future. In other words, if you have had even a lifetime of a problem with depression or, or something similar to it, um, do not assume that that means it's always going to be there. I, I can tell you I've seen so many cases where people really do turn this around. And, and I think that having that sense of hope is so important as a as a first step, you know, towards towards really um, turning around a long term problem like that. Well, you know that is that is so powerful, and um, and also for others, you know, don't stop lighting that candle and saying that prayer for some people that you feel are lost or you feel are too much into their alcoholism or too much into their addiction because anything is possible. And and don't forget that I am one of those people. And so there are many people that can uh, rechart their, navigate their path and uh, sell their ship and be the light for them, be there for them, um, you know, take time to, to connect with them and give them that unconditional love because eventually love wins, uh, not only with yourself, but also with others. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Henry Emmons. Please go to naturalmentalhealth.com. God bless you, everyone, all of you intentional spirits. You're awesome. I love being with you. I look forward to our time together. What a blast we always have and what a blessing. 
God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning into The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio, the teachings of Unity's founders, almost a hundred years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Right here on Unity FM. The voice of an awakening world. There's a story about a man who was looking for a new home. When he arrived at the gate of a city, he asked, Tell me what kind of people live here. The gatekeeper replied, Tell me about the people in the place you've come from. He answered, they were angry, self-centered, and dishonest. The gatekeeper said, they're just like that here. You wouldn't be happy. Move on. Later, another stranger arrived and asked the same question. The gatekeeper said, tell me about the people in your last town. She answered, oh, they were wonderful, kind, generous, and loving. The gatekeeper replied, the people of this town are just like that. Come on in. You'll be happy here. Often we see the world not as it is, but as we are. If you want to change the world, start with yourself. Be the kind of person you wish the rest of the world would be. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Ever notice that there might be something not quite right, but you just can't put your finger on it? We may describe it as an inner stirring, a restlessness, a yearning to find our way home to our heart and higher purpose. Some of us may feel like we are living on borrowed time, that despite our accomplishments, what was once so important to us now just feels empty and meaningless. If you find your heart longing, wanting, looking for a path home to authenticity and purpose, Join us for transformation, inspiration, hope, and possibility. 
Move toward your higher calling. Listen to The Call of Spirit with Evelyn Foreman and tune in to Possibility every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio. What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to live in joy? Is there an area of your life where you could use a miracle? Have you been praying for help and guidance? Come join Lisa and Bill and their guests for an hour filled with practical tips on experiencing miracles, greater abundance, focused, deliberate living, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Experience more joy in life. Listen to Living in Joy, Reflections on A Course in Miracles, with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free, every Friday at 2 p.m. Central, here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, and according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us, and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. <laughs> 